0: Back the episode of Crew 3 Podcast. I'm your host, Ruckman. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hey. How's it going? And I want to remind everyone we are sponsored by our wonderful supporters of Patreon. That's patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Chucking a buck to get your name on all of our streams and videos. $5 gets you a piece of exclusive monthly content that goes all the way back for every month we've done it before. Or $50, $20 international gets you the monthly swag bag mailing, which will be done by Ricky this month. Uh, we were talking about some of the cards he was looking at, and I think it's gonna be a pretty exciting one. Uh, all right, gentlemen. So, how was your week?
1: Yeah, pretty solid. I'm trying to remember. I think what, we watched Ricky draft a bunch, I guess is
0: what we've done since last time. Yeah, yeah, we, we've we've watched Ricky draft a bunch, just killing it on the Zendikar Limited, trying to make that Mythic push, right, Ricky? I'm in Diamond right now, so we're we're gonna get there. We're we're, then... we're moving for it. Hey, you'll get an extra days of practice in uh, on the streamer event on uh, the twenty-seventh. So that's it'll good. It'll be limited at that point. It will be Caldheim limited at that point. So uh, I am definitely excited. Although I don't know how much Linda will actually play on that stream. I'm sure it'll be more standard. And then we'll we'll laugh at the people attempting to play Historic. Oh my gosh. That's one thing about it is like I think that it's a
1: good break time for anybody. I, I saw it come up on our Discord a little bit, kind of talking about like, hey, you know, how do you feel about breaks? Like, are they bad? Like, definitely not. I think most people take a break for Magic. Um, In in my case, I tend to take shorter breaks and then jump back in. But some people take longer. I definitely, when I was like, you know, uh, full into my career, took a a decent break for Magic over over a year. But it's totally fine to take breaks. I think now is honestly a perfect time. If you haven't been to start, hey, I'm going to take, you know, however, a couple weeks off here until cattle time. If you want to, if you're burnt out, just because historic, in my opinion, not very good. I see a lot of pros complain about it. Standard's fine, but if you're not a standard player, you know, hey. I set
2: like standard a lot better, I think, honestly. Um, You know, I've not been the break kind of person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I understand that it happens to everybody. Like, it's a big, like, used to be like a big sort of meme that everybody takes like a a break at some point. Mm -hmm. But I literally can't think of since we started playing me just like not playing Magic for like more than like two or three months.
0: See, I don't I when I think of my breaks, my breaks are always like a week or two here and there every few few months. That's kind of like my break. It's just to like take a couple weeks back and get like a refresher. Right. Sure.
1: I think in my case it was tough cuz like I didn't have weekends off. So like when you work weekends, it becomes really tough when you're a competitive player to n- like not play competitive magic and then just kind of mull around, right? Like I've played I can count on my two hands the number of commander games I've ever played. Like, I think it was fun really when it first came out um, and it still is great. Right. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not that kind of player. So
0: I, th- I think I, I yeah. I'm starting to agree with people who argue that the, the made for commander cards are kind of pushing the format in a weird direction.
1: Yeah, I think it's fun. You know, it's an interesting design idea, but it, the problem is like those cards, when they start targeting all players, they start doing this kind of thing. I think definitely pushes that better at the top, but Anyway, too too much stuff for an intro, just, you know, again, if you were wanting to take a week or two break, I think now would be a good
0: time, given some of the, the formats are about to get rejuvenated. Yep. All right, so let's jump into this metagame update, if you guys have nothing else to talk about, because boy, howdy, do we have a lot of spoilers to go over. Yeah, let's get to this. Oh, yeah. This. All right, for our 14-day metagame breakdown, going off of MTG Goldfish at the time of recording, this only has one challenge in that is the Sam- Saturday challenge. I don't have any information on the Sunday challenge. Um, it's not up anywhere I could find, even checking on the Mothership. But have you, I'll let you guys know. It is nearly impossible to try to find the the articles on the Mothership breaking down these events anymore. They, re- that website is like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to find anything anywhere anymore on there. Anyway, that's not a time for that, <laughs> this isn't a place for that argument. So, in at number 12, we have Azorius Control at 2.9% of the meta. In at number 11, we have Jeskai, or Jeskai Luka at 3.3% of the meta. We have Oops All Spells at number 10, also at 3.3% of the meta. We have Niv to Light at 3.5% of the meta. Lotus Combo at number 8 at 3.9% of the meta. Mono Red at 4.9% of the meta, looking like we're going back to just sort of straight Mono Red. We're kind of dropping the Collective Defiance aspect of the deck. In at number 6, we have Mono Black Aggro at 5.6% of the meta. At number 5, we have Luris Burn at 6.4% of the meta. We have Orzov Auras at number 4 at 9.4% of the meta. Number 3, Mono Green Planeswalks at 96 of the meta. Breaking that 10% at 10.9 is 4-color Omnath a number 2. And number 1, of course, still reigning strong at 16.6% of the meta is Wilderness Reclamation. Uh, again, I do keep wanting to mention every week that, of course, Wilderness Reclamation combines both Teemer and Soltai wreck. I, I think if you split those decks up, you're looking at about a, I would say, a 9% of the meta for... Soltai Wreck and a uh, 7.6% of the meta for Teamer Wreck. It just kind of depends on the event, really. They're pretty closely split, though. Um, so, of course, Goldfish lumps them both together. I think the decks play differently enough they should be split up, but, you know, I'm not going to tell them how to run their website.
1: Yep. <clears throat> the, the point is that, uh, at least in this challenge, right, 40% of decks playing Url and I think that's where that's where
0: we're at in the metagame. Yep. It's that simple, you know? Yep, for sure. All right, speaking of that challenge, let's go take a look at this top eight. And at number eight, we have Lurus Burn. And at number seven, we have Boros Feather. Uh making a little bit of a comeback go on again, continue off of last week. We have four-color Omneth and at number six, T-Reck at number five, four-color Omnath at number four team of wreck at number three soul tie wreck at number two and monogreen planeswalks at number one I do you want to point out that of course soul tie wreck being piloted by jabberwocky and that number one monogreen planeswalkers deck by bob jackson of course jabberwocky the pioneer soul tie master plan every variant you can think of for those colors
1: yeah the the list seems to update pretty frequently Uh, I am a follower of Jabberwocky on Twitter, so I keep up. They're not a frequent tweeter. They typically tweet when they make a top eight or something like this. And they did tweet about this uh, tournament. They said this list has felt the best so far. But who knows if that's going to change. Um, I'm not looking at this list. I guess I'll click it open. But what I remember from looking at it on Twitter was it interestingly had, like, I think two Fatal
0: Push and two Thotsies Yeah, were in the main deck. It's it's dropping the Thotsies Intervention that they've been playing. Yeah. Um, I don't remember them playing Growth Spiral a bunch. I think Growth Spirals uh, re-add back into the deck. Yeah, that looks like Growth Spirals will re-add back into the deck. Uh, they dropped the Shadows Verdict out of the main... So this is some of the big changes I'm noticing, because like growth spiral to me is one of those cards I equate with like the teamer variant of the deck. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, sure. Finally, yeah, with I mean, the four
2: wilderness wreck here.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely heavier on the counter spells. I think with a full three and three um, negate and sinister Sabotage. Now that's not that I'm saying that's the full four, but most players aren't playing four of counter spells and non dedicated control decks. So that's that's quite a few. That's definitely more than I've seen. So. That's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, there's still some spice in this final. I mean, we're looking at Boros Feather top seven. Uh, I know we saw this deck again last week. I forget where it placed, uh, but this isn't uh, the first time we've. This is like two weeks in a row we've seen Boros Feather. You know, doing some big stuff. Uh, last week, of course, was kind of weird because I think the mocks was last weekend. So a lot of the right. grinders we were used were used to seeing weren't there. Um, so hey, the deck can still hang even with the the big names like Jabberwocky still around.
1: Yeah, know that's that's interesting to see for sure. I think notably, <clears throat> Ors of Orsavoris got ninth, and then a lot of those aggro decks you were saying before um, are not holding up to the Uro onslaught. <clears throat> excuse me, that came back this week. So yeah, definitely a different week from what we saw last week, and a lot more of these players seem to be players that we recognize. So kind of like we thought, you know, when once these players come back, you're going to see a, a change, but. Mild Pro has going to be excited for that first place Monogreen Planeswalker.
0: Yeah, definitely. Of course, reigning Crew 3 champion and also and fellow Monogreen planeswalkers player, Mild Pro. Mm-hmm. Alright, Chris, right. there is one deck I want your opinions on. Now, I'm trying to get a hold of the pilot for this. Um, sort of like what we did with Go Delicious in their Mono Red Vessel deck a few weeks ago. Uh, hopefully, right, right. to get a little bit of a breakdown on that, hopefully we'll have that for you all next week. Um, a lot a lot of these people, a lot of these, like, streamer, like, the, the Magic streamers will have Twitter accounts, but they only stream, like, once every three months, and their DMs right. are private. It's really hard to get a hold of some of these people to talk to. Yeah, that's but, but, saying, but I'm yeah, hoping yeah. to like jump in their chat one day this week and try to be like, "Hey, get a hold of me." So hopefully, we can get some info because obviously, twenty fourth place, white black warrior equipment, whatever you want to call it, by Connor Man Eleven. Chris, this deck's got to excite you because break this deck list down for us.
1: I mean, what I'm going to call this deck list is clearly Wish Claw Watch 2019. That's what we all are here for. That's what we all want to see. This deck here, you know, it's got, uh, what is this, like 57 other cards and then three Wishclaw Talismans. So I don't know how much you need to know about it other than that, but I guess we'll go into it. Uh, we've got a Companion lurse of the Dream Den. We've got three Blood-Soaked Champion, uh, four mardo, Sh- <laughs> well, wow, mardo Mardu Shadow Spear, four Mardu Woe Reaper, four Blood-Chin Rager. That one is the one that gives... Um, Warrior's Menace. Uh, Warrior's Menace. Yeah, yeah, the old keyword for for menace. And the big one, I think Core Blade Master. Equipped warriors you control have strike, double strike. Interestingly, Core Blade Master does not have to be equipped. Any equipped warrior gains double strike with him in play. That's going to be relevant because we're going to play four Colossus Hammer to equip these warriors with a gigantic hammer to destroy our opponents with. Um, It will make our warriors lose flying. That being said... Our warriors don't really fly, you know. They fly to our hearts. They're running in. Yeah, they're running on their own two legs. Sometimes they've got horses, but this time they're just running in. Uh, to complement our colossus hammers, we've got some God's Willings, some Resolute Strikes, some Open the Armory for some either search effects or pump or you know, what we call it, protection spells. Essentially, uh, one Shadow Spear, three of Marquis. Th- what is that? Uh, Throne of Eldrain. Standout all-star rare wish talisman and then for Sagarda's aid. When was the last time we saw Sagarda's aid? Right now. <laughs> right now. Right yeah. now. Yeah. This one, in case you guys don't know, because I certainly did not. Uh I remember this card when it came out and forgot about it. Since then Sagarda's aid is a one mana white enchantment. You may cast aura and equipment spells as though they had flash. Whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach it to target creature you control. So again, most of our trick here, um, when we're, you know, going at uh Full capacity is getting our Colossus Hammer attached cheaply, preferably for free, to one of our Warriors and just beat down that way with Menace. And then again, if he's got double strikes, we've got our core Blade, core blade Master conveniently let's your starting life total uh, as game. So that's pretty nifty. Uh, Wishclaw Talisman, a little bit surprised to see it in here, but you know, uh,
0: if I any mean, of it, our early listeners will know. It, it does what you said it would do, right? If you're going to play it in a deck, right. you're going to play it in a deck where you activate it and your opponent's dead that turn. So it lets us, what, look up for our Colossus Hammer, our Double Strike guy, or our Sigarda's Aid, one of those three pieces that we're missing, just to kill him dead on that turn. Yep, yep, yeah, just to, to go in. Or...
2: Uh, draft, Chaff, All-Star, Resolute Strike. Really putting in work here.
1: Oh, that's a way to attach an equipment. Yeah. Wow, yeah.
2: Target creature gets plus two, plus two, and the end a turn. If it's a Warrior, you may attach equipment you control to yeah. it definitely makes the deck way more consistent than just sigarda's
1: aid. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm surprised there's not in this particular kind of deck a better way to get equipment out, uh, but you know, hey like I said, wish Claw Talisman, a card that, in my opinion, still does not see enough play, given how cheap that activation cost is. A- again, especially like in an aggro deck, right? Like we're we're trying to get uh, get frisky these first couple turns, but if we're treating this more like a combo deck, obviously we're trying to set up and then activate our wish Claw Talisman on our turn, where you know it only costs one mana to activate, so we're just killing them on that turn to find that last piece. So, yeah, 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 a super exciting this deck is here. Again, I think that like Go Delicious said, there's a lot to be explored in this format. I think it's being a little bit suppressed right now, but there's a lot of combos I was thinking about the last couple of days where I'm just like, man, these two cards should be enough to do something. And, you know, glad to see Wishclaw Talisman making me proud.
0: So that, that begs the question, right? For, first of all, uh, hopefully, again, I'll have more information on this deck list for next week. Um, and I'm sure I'll probably play it on stream one of these days this week here because, of course, when I see a deck list like this, I... I just have to play it. Uh, I feel like I'm, right. I'm contractually obligated for Chris to play it. Um, right, exactly right <laughs> yeah. uh, But that brings the question, you know, Chris, you said Uro is 40% of the meta here, and I do want to take a quick minute here to talk about this before we spend the next, I don't know, like hour talking about spoilers. Um, is the format limited right now? Obviously, there's a lot of places to explore, but is the format being... Almost strangle held right now by the combination of the Uro decks versus the aggro burn decks. Because I we're gonna see there's a lot of cards that I do want to talk about that are like four and five mana. And I think that's a gonna be a big limiting factor in what can make it into pioneer. Like if a spell to me right now, if a spell's costing more than like four mana in pioneer, more than like three mana in pioneer, four kind of pushing it. It better be winning you the game because you need to beat these aggressive red decks, but you still have to do something enough to outpower all the Euro decks. So that begs the question of, you know, we've been saying, you know, something needs to be done on Euro. And honestly, one of the benefits of having the Reclamation decks, excuse me, as one deck on MTG Goldfish is it makes the percentage like 17%. Which was, and, you know, like I said last week before, when we were just recording on Monday and I initially made the metagame breakdown, it was like 20% of the meta, which was like numbers we haven't seen since the bad days of Inverter, which I say we haven't right. seen since, that was like still like six months ago. Right, right. Um, and so it's just weird that maybe Pioneers needs more time to fill out the card pool so that we start having a more modern metagame of like 10% and then everything's like fives. But, you know, Pioneer right. still being in- impacted with the best deck is still 20% of the meta. Like, it's a standard meta game.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I want to hear what Ricky's thoughts on this are because, you know, my thoughts on it are are pretty simple in that, you know, yeah, you can pick which Lur- uh, which Uro deck you want to play. Just like a couple months ago, you could pick which Luris deck you wanted to play or you could pick which Yorian deck you wanted to play, right? Yeah. Like, in my opinion, that doesn't make things as diverse as I think it could be, you know? Like, there are a bunch of different Uro decks you can play. You can play Nivtalite, you can play Sultai or Teamirac, you can play Omnath, you can play, you know, whatever random brew that plays Uro, but pretty much you got to play Uro because it's just, it's so much card advantage, right? I mean, it, it just does so much. And I think if you axe it, you allow some of the other stuff to come up that, you know, you've still got the premium removal that play in your offers, but, you know, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is enough diversity. I don't know. Ricky, like, what do you chime in on this uh, said discussion?
2: I think that Oro or Uro is a card that is definitely gonna warp the format for sure. It probably mm. should be banned. I think that there are decks that will last after Oro. Like I don't think that we're gonna lose like half the format of Oro goes. Right. I think that the rec decks are still gonna be fine. They're gonna find a new way to deal with the aggro that they're gonna face, you know, the mm. life gain on Oro being very important, but so is the ramp. But we're still gonna have growth spiral, like we're still gonna have Wilderness Reclamation. We're just going to have to find like a new way to beat the aggro decks. So I, I don't think that there's going to be like the biggest shakeup, but I do think it will definitely change like the lines of play. Right. Uh, so you won't have to be as like desperately committing to a board in mono red because you need to beat the Uro. You also won't be packing as much graveyard removal. It opens up more graveyard centric decks like oops, all spells are going to be more open because they're, not gonna have to worry about Uro. Or maybe Oops All Spells is open because all the control decks are trying to play Uro. Right. So it it all depends. I i do think that Uro should probably go just for like diversity's sake, but I do think that like cards like Wilderness Reclamation, like like
0: blue, green, X control decks are still going to be around. Sure. I i just think my, the other point I kind of want to make is I think. It shouldn't just be an Uro ban, right? Now, obviously, we've advocated for a while like getting Teferi out of here. Um, I do think there is a world where you can also argue that Wilderness Wreck just needs to go alongside Uro. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. it's too powerful, but I think it's one of those cards that you're just always going to kind of point at as as being iffy, which I sh- we shouldn't condemn a card over. Um, I just think, like, as much as I think Historic is really bad right now, I do think their ban list having... Having Teferi having Wilderness Wreck on there is a good sign. I think that's a good, a good decision there. I was also gonna say I think you need to sort of, without Uro, slow the red decks down a bit. So I'm curious, you know, do you get rid of Eidolon? Do you get rid of like a Swift Spear or a Soul Scar Mage? Do you get rid of Light Up the Stage? I think you have to kind of kneecap the mono red decks a little bit just to help make things sort of even across the board. And I think I yeah. think like those types of card like I think like Getared Uro, Wilderness Rack maybe, Teferi, and then a mono red card, I think the format becomes pretty open.
2: I think that if we're gonna ban cards, sure. right? We should either ban just Uro. Okay. Or or probably nothing, because if you do want to ban Teferi also, I think you have to ban Uro, Teferi, uh Rogue Refiner, and one other energy card if not
0: marvel i think we could honestly like as much as i just think teferi is a not fun card we can probably leave teferi in all honesty like it's teferi does keep things fair against like the marvel like, I agree with ricky because i think i would be worried about marvel if teferi is gone from the format um obviously i just <laughs> i feel like we've crusaded for teferi being a problem enough that if we just stop now I think we're at the weird tipping point
2: of the format where we're going to ban everything until energy is good and then have to ban yeah. energy.
1: Maybe like I, I I think this is a obviously like just this because we had a whole episode on this conversation, but like I am not convinced that energy is better than all spells. It's just not something that I, that I currently think of. I, I think that if I was to deep dive in it, we could theory craft or play test it out and see like, oh, maybe the, these are the advantages, these are not, but, like, we have a quick and extremely consistent combo deck in Pioneer, and right now it's not it's not doing it. Again, like, I, I think there's a really good point, though, that you guys made, which is, well, is aggro then going to be too good? Which is kind of one of those points where it's like, well, are we happy with things are at, or if we axe the Uro, how good are the aggro decks going to be? But the decks that I'm kind of, maybe just in, maybe I'm just too optimistic, right? Maybe there's combos that I think, man, I would love to see in Pioneer, maybe they're just not good enough, right? And that's maybe that's something I just need to let go of, but that's also my concern is, let's say we get rid of Uro, how good are the aggro decks going to be? Which is honestly something I'd like to see you try it out. Like, I honestly wish you could, like, you know, make a tournament series where we say, hey, look, here's how we're going to do this. Let the best players come and test out the format before we just make those changes, because I also don't want just to live in mono-redsville. I mean,
0: that's that's like what happened That's what happened to, to Frontier, right? Is it just became just the burn in mono-red decks for just every event before that format just slowly dropped burned burned out which i don't think that format really got tested i I do think that like
2: pioneer as a whole Mm -hmm. as a format pioneer was based on this already because it was like uh we're banning the fetch lands and everything else is wide open Mm -hmm. we'll ban as we need to Mm -hmm. right and like immediately we lost cat combo you know you watch you can watch of course the the history of of pioneer what gets banned based on what needed to get banned. And because we started already a post to fairy world, the Marvel decks never made it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I know people have opinions about, well, it'd be cool if Marvel could be playable at all. But I'm like, is it really cool? Like I played Marvel standard and it just isn't fun. No, I'm hundred percent with you. Like you could have the abrade, you could have the everything. It doesn't matter. They get one spin on that Marvel. And oh, they hit Ulamog, There go two of your lands. You're down to two lands, and there's an Ulamog in play.
1: Yeah, I guess mean, my point is like you can cranial extraction the uh, the marvel. Like you can't cranial extraction with extreme effectiveness the Oopsall Spells deck. And I think that's my point. It's like I, I don't think that deck's better than Oopsall Spells, which is why I'd still be fine axing to fairy because I just I, I don't think the deck would make that much of a splash. <laughs> and I still it's think not it's as
0: explosive better. as Oopsall Spells, but it's more consistent. Um, maybe it's more resilient. I think
1: it it might be more resilient. Again, like I I think that there, you have so many combo pieces that people were adding cards to the deck for oopsol spells. Again, I think oopsol spells is one of those things that it's probably, at least from what I've seen, it's going to be the most resilient and most consistent combo deck once it gets kind of to its final form, you know, and you could argue it's close, but. I don't know. And again, I could be wrong. I definitely could be, but I'm I'm personally not concerned about that because I think we've already got some decent combo decks in, in Pioneer, but that's my last point probably on that. All
0: right. Well, then, I mean, like I said, we, we could talk about this forever, but we have spoilers to talk about, so let's, let's dive go. into those. Uh, to kind of keep these things organized, we have decided and sort of agreed that we're just going to kind of go date by date through these just so we're not jumping all over the place. So uh starting with January 6th, invasion of giants. Um, uncommon saga. Is it scry two, or chapter one, scry two, chapter two, draw a card, and then you may reveal a giant card from your hand. When you do, invasion of the giant jocks an opponent or planeswalker. Number three, the next giant spell you cast costs two less to cast. I don't know, you guys, but I'm really interested in looking at giants. Now I've all obviously like have been self proclaimed myself the Dwarf King mm-hmm. and several people in the Discord. Uh, I'm apparently now just the Elf Guy as well. <laughs> <laughs> you can't
1: have it all, Rockman. You can't have it all.
0: <laughs> no, I, I don't want to be the Elf Guy, but man, does Dwarves not look as interesting as I thought it would? So I'm kind of slowly becoming the Elf Guy. But also, well, cards coming elves, out. El- elves was already like a deck that was there that just needed a little bit of help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just saying that just like every, every so often I get, another, I need to get an update on. The the Discord will at me when a Dwarf or an Elf gets spoiled and ask me, like, if it's good enough.
1: Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm waiting to see if we get any kind of uh, tribal spells because that that I think makes us interesting.
0: I don't think we're getting tribal spells at this point. But who knows? Because we have a whole new subtype of spell that was added to the set that wasn't in the mechanic article. But at this point, I don't think we're getting tribal spells. Ricky thinks we're getting tribal spells in Strixhaven, though. Right, Ricky? I think that
2: there could be tribal spells in Strixhaven. I feel like there's a card. We'll get to it when we get to it. But I think there's a card in the set that should have just been tribal, because mm-hmm. there's no rules for
0: the kind of card that he is. So might as well just do it. Sure. All right. So uh, of course, starting on the seventh, that was the big stream, which confirmed, "Hey, Snow is back." Take all of your basic lands.
2: Throw them in the garbage. Throw them in the trash. It's snow time. There's going to be no penalty for running snow, so just play your snow lands instead of your basic lands. It's really dumb. I really hate it. You better write snow covered on all of your deck list submission forms, which don't exist because of COVID. But uh, snow is here. It's free to play snow basics, so just play snow basics. Uh, Welcome to the world for two years. I hate this. Or welcome to modern. Uh, I mean... Pioneer, Standard, and Modern now are all going to be tainted by snow mana, even if none of the snow cards are good. I thought you had,
1: mo- it had been Modern because of Skrid.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, Modern already had snow stuff, and like, because of Astrolabe, uh, snow was just forever good. And then recently with the, the banning of Astrolabe was called the Great Unbanning of Basic Island. Right, right, yeah. You could play basics again, like mm-hmm.
1: it's just—I mean, these are basics, Ricky. They say right on a basic uh, snowland.
2: It's like not even an interesting, like, ooh, what's the, what's the, what do I get for not playing? Just play the snowland. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just still gonna play my Pokemon Theros lands, probably. Okay, fair enough. But I'm just saying, like, it's just—I don't like snow. I'm gonna be the big, big angry guy that doesn't like the snow. That being said,
0: these snow duels are insane. They're yeah, also... let's talk about this. So we have we have new gates, right? That are that are typed. Of course, by gates we mean they're two colored lands that are tapped, but they're typed, which is kind of insane. And they're fetchable. They're fetchable, which is important for the fronts that have fetches, not us. Um, but I've heard talk of what does this do to Popper? Poor Popper just getting annihilated by just all sorts of random printings, right? Um, yeah, I
1: think what's interesting is these are snow. I, I think like Ricky's going to be the, the bigger expert on these, but like, you know, the triomes were already triple typed. So like, you know, you get a lot of value there for your comes in a play tap lands, but these being snow, I think maybe makes things interesting.
0: I don't think I'm playing these in a pioneer deck unless like we broke snow.
1: Yeah. The lack of fetches makes these not super exciting. Yeah.
0: So, I think the, tri- the triumphs, right. Cycling is just way better with those. All
2: the forest ones will see play at some point in modern because Field of the Dead, now you can play snow in your Field of the Dead decks by having mm-hmm. different named snowlands. Uh, that's all this really means, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. All what right. about that, uh, that artifact that untaps lands? Worth it with these? Uh, any of, a little vigor? Uh, th- no. That's what somebody all else right. said, too, but I figured I would ask you guys.
0: So let's uh, let's keep getting into, into, into spoilers, right? So obviously, so we're here on the 7th, um, I've got a list of just the cards I wanted to point out. You guys can pick some cards out um, if we're sort of scrolling up past them. Uh, obviously, the big ones to talk first about are Nico Aris and Tybalt. Uh, Nico Aris being X white blue blue for a Nico planeswalker, starting on loyalty three with the static ability when Nico Aris enters the battlefield to create X shard tokens, which are kind of upgraded clues, right? So they're enchantment with two sacrifices, enchantment, uh, scry one, then draw a card. Nico has a plus one up to one target creature you control, can't be blocked this turn. Whenever that creature deals damage this turn, return to its owner's hand. Minus one, Nico Aris deals two damage to target tapped creature for each card you've drawn this turn. Minus one, create a shard token. So, really interesting things with Nico is the Archon that says Constellation
2: to make a Pegasus. I was thinking that. There's Satessin Champion. Satessin Champion and uh, Iolana Blossoms. And yeah. even Doomwake Giant. Mm -hmm. care about the shards being enchantments other than that though i think nico is very strong in standard will it see pioneer play i don't know uh the cool thing in standard is the plus one makes a creature unblockable and then when it deals combat damage it bounces back to your hand so you can bounce back your yorian or your charming prince to go again in the blink decks Oh, that um, is interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's very good. Will that be good enough in Pioneer? I'm not sure. Like the Orion decks, generally aren't actually really aiming to play much Yorian.
1: Well, what's what's our competition for a three mana planeswalker? Are there any Are there any good ones in Pioneer? No, not at all. Just a okay. fairy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think this competes at a three spot for a planeswalker. Uh, it definitely could, right? Like we've been we've been wrong about cards. It's not that this card has. no... I think, I think the uh,
0: fact that his shards are enchantments could be really important there. Um, as a planeswalker abilities, I don't think they're that exciting. But again, I think the shards that he come that they sorry that they come in with are very are very could be very powerful in the right deck.
1: Yeah, I uh, think.
0: That, go ahead. I think that.
2: The only place this is in Pioneer play is in Yorian because one, you've got 80 slots so you can put more sus cards in and two, because it plays very well
0: with Yorian. I do want to point out that I think the theme of these spoilers, a lot of the time are going to be, man, this is really close to Pioneer. Cause again, going back to I think Pioneer needs just a kind of a big shakeup of the meta for a lot of stuff to be enabled, but it's really close for a lot of these cards. And again, we're just sort of just now seeing them. We're not really going to the deck list just yet. I'm kind of waiting for full spoilers before I start breaking stuff down fully. Um, but there is still some sweet stuff to see in this set.
1: I think my last point on this is like I think you could make a deck around this card, like with a bounce effect. Like I think if you're somebody out there who's like, hey, I want to make a deck that revolves around comes into the battlefield effects. What do they call mm-hmm. it? It the battle- yeah, battlefield effects. Then yeah, like I think you could make this work for sure if you really wanted to. But uh, overall, the power level is, is not super impressive to me. One thing I don't like about this card that I am get a little frustrated with when looking at the rest of the set, too, as we'll go on, is minus one deals two damage to a tapped creature. This is a white-blue card, right? For each uh, card you've drawn this turn. Yeah, sure. But, like... White's done that a little bit when it's like bent. You know, we had Sunlance uh, out of like Times Sparell and stuff like that. But I don't think this card is very color pie appropriate. And I think there's a lot of cards in this set that just ignore the color pie entirely, which I don't think. The color pie doesn't
0: doesn't exist anymore. Let's be honest.
1: And that's totally fair, right? Like I think if we're at that point, then I shouldn't have said anything because I just want to reiterate. I don't, you know, especially cards like green. There's no color pie anymore. And white gets the worst of it for sure. But I just don't like where we're going with this kind of thing.
2: White has frequently had, like, Hail of Arrows type effects where it dealt right. damage to right. attacking
1: creatures. Attacking or blocking. Right, right. So if it's tapped, it probably
2: attacked. That. Planeswalkers right. can't go at instant speed. I think it's fine. Gideon Jura killed tapped creatures.
1: It did. That's true. That's true. Again, if it's, if it's uh, you know... I don't know. I think there's things it could have done that would have been more flavorful. And I guess, to be fair, you know, it's a Planeswalker. So I, I guess like, you know, uh, spoilers, right? We're talking about spoilers. There are several other cards in the set that do that. So maybe just I'm on high alert for it. But, you know, uh, given the other cards in the set that do that, that's why I kind of brought it up.
0: All right. So next, of course, we have the modal DFC Timbolt whose front side is Valky, God of Lies. For one in a black, and Valky enters the battlefield. Each opponent reveals their hand. For each opponent, exile a creature card. They reveal this way until Valky leaves the battlefield. Uh, for X, choose a creature card. Exile with Valky with free mana cost X. Valky becomes a copy of that card. Valky's a 2-1. On the back side, we have for five in red-black, Tybalt Cosmic Imposter doing his best Revel and Riches impersonation. Uh, as Tybalt has a static of As Tybalt enters the battlefield, you get an emblem with You may play cards to exile Tybalt Cosmic Imposter, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. Plus two, exile the top card of each player's library. Minus three, exile target artifact or creature. Minus eight, exile all cards from all graveyards. Add red, 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 starting loyalty five. Um. Boy, I think Valky's sweet. I don't know about Tybalt though. This card is insane
2: in Pioneer and in Standard.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, this is a card for a deck that's sort of fallen away, the Rakdos control decks, the Rakdos mid range decks. Uh, let me tell you, Valky is gonna be so unbelievably good. You're gonna Thought Seize, then you're gonna Valky, you're gonna take their Uro, and then on turn three you turn into their Uro and attack for six.
0: Yep.
2: It's, it's gonna, gonna be, nuts. be dumb. It's it's gonna feel like old thought sees pack rat,
0: yeah, for it's sure. Feel I, that's, that that's that's definitely the like the ceiling of Valkyrie right? is just hitting that Uro, Next turn you get to be the Uro. But I mean, like according to
2: data, like thirty six percent say. of the time, that's yeah. gonna be in your opponent's hand. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean 40 percent of, of of decks are playing it, and you know they're they're decently likely to have it in their hand before you cast this, right? I mean, I think this card is
2: fine. Even if you miss against the Oro deck, you keep them honest and you've got a beater. Um, I think that the Tybalt half is also insanely good.
0: Yeah. I think the fact that you keep that emblem forever. Yep. So even if they kill it right at if you still have like you got like two activations out of it, you'll still be able to cast those cards later on.
2: Yep. So if you
0: if you just play Tybalt
2: and exile something they have in play uh oh, yeah, Uro. Not Uro. I mean, whenever. you can exile the Uro, but then It'll, you will really really you want sack to it, 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 and then. Yeah. Oh, it's true, yeah, yeah. But if you just play it in plus, even if they kill it, you still have two cards off of it, which is great. Uh, I think that this card is absolutely, absolutely insane.
0: Both sides, very good. Modal double face card. Um, of, so those are the first two I really wanted to point out. There's plenty of more in this date, but I'll let you guys sort of drive now. What, what cards do you want to talk about here on the 7th? I have only one more card I want to talk about on this date. Okay. Okay. What do you got? Behold the Multiverse. Go. Uh, yes.
2: This is 4 mana, blue and 3 colorless, instant scry 2, then draw 2. We've seen this before in Glimpse. Uh, or not Glimpse. Uh, uh, Glimmer. Glimmer. Uh, we've seen... Hieroglyphic in illumination, draws illumination. Two cards for four mana There's the,
0: the jump start. What was the jump start
2: one? Uh Chemister's Insight. Yeah. Chemist's Insight might still be a little bit better than this card, but this card's really, really close. Because for two mana, you can foretell it face down. And then after that, it's like a Yu-Gi-Oh trap card. And for two mana, I can flip it at instant speed to scry two and draw two. So I still pay four mana over two payments, uh, but I can pay two to set it. And then if I need my mana to counter a spell or do anything, I can do that. Your your opponent attacks
1: with their blue-eyes white dragon.
2: Exactly. If my opponent ever just does nothing or I just need the cards, I can spend two mana whenever I want to to draw two cards after scrying two. This card, very insane, very good for Popper, very good for pioneer, very good for standard. Maybe Modern playable, too.
1: I agree with you. I, I think this card's very, very good. There's not a whole lot I can add to it, other than just saying this is definitely going to be one of those cards. We've seen cards like this, right? Think twice. There's a lot of value in spreading your payment out over turns when you want to. So, you know, early on, you probably don't need to be casting this, right? I mean, there there are plenty of that, what, Thought Hemorrhage? What's that card? Six mana, they discard all your cards?
2: yeah. There's the plenty of things like counter. that going
1: around. There's plenty of thought seasons going around that you could realistically, realistically invest this and then cast it once you, you know, once you really need it. It could just be a value thing, right? Hey, it's just, you know, I'm gonna play this now because turn two, I'm doing whatever. Uh if you're playing blue, you know, I can't imagine at least in Pioneer, you're not playing uh green to do some ramping. But even then, you know, just the investment over two turns or whatever to draw uh two with the scrap first seems very strong.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, do you got a card?
1: Um, yeah, there's a couple good ones from this. The only one I really want to highlight, I think, is the the Elf Lord. Yes, that was definitely on my list as well, so go ahead. Okay, um, Elvish Warmaster. Uh, whenever one or more other elves enter the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 green Elf Warrior creature token. This ability only triggers once each turn. It costs one colorless and one green. It's a 2-2 and it's got a secondary ability that says uh, five colorless, double green. Elves you control get plus two, plus two, and gain death touch. So
0: this is a cool little elf swarm card. Yeah. If you listen to my deck tech, obviously I said, hey, we want, a we want another Dwinen's Elite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just gave us a card that makes all of our elves Dwinen's Elite. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I think this is a pretty solid one. Again, you know, it doesn't necessarily take up a Lord, but it's very aggressively costed, in my opinion, at two. Uh, I'll, I'll let
0: you go into this Ruckman as our, as our proclaimed Elf King. <laughs> I I'm only the proclaimed dwarf king. I dwarf king. I have been given the elven crown as well, apparently. Um so I think this card's very strong. Again, I think one of the weaknesses of the elf deck was that it needed another good lord, and it needed like a really good two drop to really solidify the two drop slots that were kind of all over the place, right? Like I was playing Elvish or um Wildborn Preserver, I was playing some Thorn Lieutenants. Probably still play some Thorn Lieutenants, uh, but this card again. Making all of your, your, at least your first elf every turn. Another Dwinean's elite is very impactful. If you have multiples, obviously, you're right, you're going to get multiple tokens per. however many tokens for Elvish War Master? You have the big thing is it's when do they enter under the battlefield under your control. So if you KO at the end of your opponent's turn, you're still going to get those tokens. Um, I also said, hey, an Azuri alternative would be an okay Elf Lord substitute. So five double green, you also get plus two, plus two, in Death Touch. That's pretty good, right? Especially when we're thinking about how wide we're going to go between, again, Dwight and his Elvis War Master, having multiples. Um, this card's going to be big. Pick up a playset if you're even thinking about playing Elves.
1: Fair enough. Um, I will let you guys guess the other card I want to talk about from here. Obviously, there's a lot of cards we could talk about, but we don't have that much time.
0: Is it Vargoth Blood Sky Sire? You would be wrong. Oh.
1: Uh, you would no, have is it, to. Is it Vornplex?
0: No, you, you would, to be fair,
1: you would have to have been, and even Ricky, because I didn't live close to Ricky this time, you would have to know the deck that I was probably pro- closest in skill level to pro level play, uh, given like the record that I had in, in a bunch of tournaments I played in a row, to know why I would like this card so much.
0: All right, that's so what you got.
1: It is uh, Blood on the Snow. And I like this card because uh, for four colorless and double black, it's a Snow Sorcery which this was the first snow spell I think we got to see, really. Uh, You get to choose one, destroy all creatures or destroy all planeswalkers, then return a creature or planeswalker card with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield where X is the amount of snow mana spent to cast this spell. Uh, I definitely think this makes Reanimator more of a deck in Pioneer than it was before. I think the ability to both Wrath, to deal with the threats your opponents put on the board, and then get your spell back, get your big creature back, I think is is huge. We've already had a lot of reanimator spells in Pioneer, and the issue, in my opinion, has been creatures that heavily impact the board like they used to do. You know, you're thinking about Elshnorns, you're thinking about, um, uh, what is it, that Bastion or the Archon, whatever it was that meant creatures can't attack. Iona, right? We don't have Iona in Pioneer, but there's still been, I think, some good cards, and I think really this this, uh, helps out. So that's a deck that I'm going to look to make Wint, uh time releases
0: okay sure um, one last card on this date actually two I wanted to talk about uh, I, uh, real quick though Vargoth the blood sky sire um, two in a black for a legendary creature demon rogue 2 three death toucher with boast. One of a black target player searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it. Obviously is the new mechanic. You activate this ability only if the creature attacked this turn and only once each turn. So kind of unlike Raid where it doesn't care if you've attacked, that creature itself has to have attacked that turn. But then you can activate that any point instant speed um, to get its effect. Also probably has one of the coolest showcase arts of this set, which also all the showcase arts are are home runs so far for this set. Uh, what hasn't been what I've been disappointed with. Um, I don't think this card is going to break any molds. I just think it's interesting giving a creature a lot of you, demo- Vampiric Tutor for two every turn is a pretty big deal, especially with a Death Toucher. So your opponent's either got to keep letting you do it or they're going to have to block a Death Toucher. So I think that's a pretty interesting choice you give your opponent. Uh, the big card, though, I really want to talk about here is Old Growth Troll. For green, 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 you get a 4-4 troll warrior with trample. When old growth troll dies, if it was a creature returned to the battlefield, it's an aura enchantment with forest, with enchant forest you control, and enchanted forest has tapped add green, green, and one tap sack this land, create a four-four tapped green troll warrior creature with trample. So you get a you get a replacement on layaway, which is pretty good wrath protection. Obviously, three triple green here is going to be pretty good for those devotion decks. I think this card super interesting. The only question is going to be what card in the mono green decks do you take out for it? I'm kind of torn between either steel leaf champion or love struck beast at the moment.
2: I think that there's more words on that card. Actually, I'm pretty sure it says uh, to form a more perfect union. Yeah, I was going to uh, say
1: this is, this is another uh, declaration of independence card here. Like, Just to explain, there's two things I want to mention in the last two cards we talked about real quick. Like, to explain what this card does, because obviously if you're listening, you can't look at the card, it could be confusing. You get a 4-4 Trampler for three. When it dies, it comes back on a forest. That forest now can tap for double green, or that forest that you've enchanted with your dead troll can, for one mana plus that land, so for two mana, sack the enchantment and get you back a 4-4 token. You
0: you sack the land.
1: You also sack the land, right, right, right. Um, which also will get rid of the enchantment that's on it. So you have to sack the land, and you know cost your two mana, but you get a four-four trampler back uh, in in token form. So you get this card kind of twice, or you can keep it as an enchantment when it dies, just because there's a lot of text there. The other interesting thing on Vargoth, I want to mention that boast. From what I can tell, does not say activate as a sorcery.
0: So no, that's what I'm only saying. So
1: once yeah, per any turn point after
0: it attacked, yeah, but you right, could end step right. it if you wanted to.
1: But also, I think is I think during blockers you can activate this, right? Or as soon as you attack. Yeah, as,
0: as soon as it's attacked and you have priority, you can activate yeah. it.
1: There you go. So it's it's hard to not get value out of it if it if it lives, right? It costs three, so it's a little bit harder to kill with fatal push and whatnot. So I think that's interesting uh, part of that card. Uh,
0: okay, one last card. Sorry, this is this this day was really front loaded with cards, um, and I know we're going to go a little longer, but I'm trying to speed things up as fast as possible. Uh, Glimpse the cosmos. One in a blue Sorcerer, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, the rest of the bottom of your library, any order. As long as you control a giant, you may cast Glimpse to the Cosmos from your graveyard, paying blue rather than paying its mana cost. If you cast Glimpse to the Cosmos this way, put it into exile instead. Um, so it's antis- not anticipate. Is it anticipate strategic planning? It's sort of anticipate. Yeah, i don't know i if this card i don't know if this card is better than any of the other blue spells you have but being able to cast it twice if you have a giant i think is a pretty big deal uh, i i think that the giant deck doesn't want to be drawing cards it could be I, yeah but i feel like in pioneer you still really need some form of card advantage to keep up
1: yeah i i'm not sold on this card yet but i definitely see the potential you know what i'm saying like the the potential to get it right if there's a way you can either get this with changeling like or the giants tech does become stronger than what we're seeing now right like it definitely all depends on how strong giants is if if you have a way to get a giant either through a mutable right or through a whatever you might want to be doing i think there's some interesting stuff here
0: all right let's move on January the 8th which i think is the biggest day probably so uh let's get going who wants to start off with january the 8th Goldspan Dragon.
1: There we go. I was going to say what, I, yeah, gonna I say think it. We
0: we're all going to say Goldspan Dragon. What you got? Uh Glorybringer
2: stats, 5 mana 4/4 four, four flying haste. Dragon, of course. Whenever it attacks or becomes the target of a spell, either player, so if you're if you want to play a, like a heroic or it, anytime it becomes a target, you create a treasure token. And then he says treasures you control Have tap, sacrifice this artifact, add two mana of any one color. So, it's like Glorybringer, but instead of removal, you get mana. Mana back, essentially, when it attacks. Uh, Also, if your opponent kills it before, you still get value because you still get a treasure token. So, uh, ultimately, your goldspan dragon only costs you four mana as opposed to five. Because Mm -hmm. your treasure will only attack for two while Goldspan's still out. So... Uh, If you play him and your opponent targets it with a spell, you trigger the ability to make a treasure, which you can then immediately sack for two mana with the spell still on the stack to cast a protection spell of your own, thus giving you another treasure token, aka in some red-white heroic style deck. I know most of them play Loris and stay low to the ground, but this guy is so hard to answer if you have a handful of protection spells
1: i love it i was gonna say how do we feel about the dragons here i was gonna say take me to magical christmas land you just did i feel like i've i feel like we could end here really i mean this has just been beautiful it brought i mean to look, i
0: i see plenty of magnus tutoring this card up <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough fair enough all right chris you got something
1: uh i can't say anything more beautiful than those man's words on i'm in christmas on the next card.
0: card we're moving on
1: oh no go
0: uh, Calamity Bear 2 red red for a giant 3-4 berserker if a giant source you control deal damage to a permanent or player it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead card this is card insane. is what's selling me on giants card is insane mutable attacks for 4 your
2: bone crusher giant trigger now deals 4 your bone crusher giant attacks for 8 and if you stomp your damage can't be prevented but it doesn't double but that's okay yeah uh this card is dumb i think that Dr- giants is real as a mid-rangey red deck it might be better than dragons which is hard for me to say but like deck looks good we'll talk about it more when we get to more giant cards but like just this bonecrusher giant and mutable is all you need to know right now and this is like already looking like a deck um ricky what do you got next um i'm just gonna say about tyvar Kel. Is a Planeswalker, he statically says elves you control have tap add green, or, sorry, tap add black, add right? Black, which I think is a big deal. Uh, um, He should also say on him, this card is considered an elf. Because so many other cards in the set say an elf or a tievark spell.
0: Uh. Yeah, because I, I just feel like all the Planeswalker deck cards got shoved into the main set for whatever reason.
2: It's weird to me. I think this guy's a four mana, green, green, two, all your elves can tap for black now. And for one mana, you can put a one one counter on an elf, or sorry, for one loyalty extra, you get to put a one one counter on a target elf, untap it, and it gains death touch until end of turn. For zero, you can make a one-one green elf warrior token. And for six uh, loyalty, you get a emblem with whenever you cast an elf spell, it gains haste until end of turn, and you draw two cards.
0: It's sweet emblem. It's great Greathenge on... Uh... elves but bigger yeah um definitely a cool planeswalker he costs four though i think if the elves would tap for green to be a bigger deal as well
2: he doesn't count as an elf which is fine
0: But i think the fact that he doesn't count as an elf is a big deal for older formats where like you don't want to be tapping him for your heritage druid yeah but i just
2: i think that I think there's better elf support cards in this format, sure. or in this set than this guy. Yeah,
0: you know, I like. It's going to be interesting. Like, it's definitely a card I'm interested in. Honestly, I I'm just now realizing that it, the, all the elves have tapped for black. I thought it was tapped for green. I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy's super interesting. But now I'm like, nah, I think I'm out. Um, what's next? Um, Cosmos Charger. I don't think. I mean, foretell cards cost one less. Yeah. yeah. I think they're, they're, we're close to having a good amount of foretell cards, potentially. I think this is a standard-only card. Fair. Um, the new Village rights Arts is amazing. Uh, I think the next big card is going to be es- Esika slash Prismatic Bridge. I think... Uh, so, of course, Esika is one green green for a 1-4 god. Legendary Creature God with Vigilance and Tap at One Man of Any Color... Also, other legendary creatures you control have vigilance and tap at one mana of any color you control. Backside is a Wooburg enchantment, legendary enchantment called the Prismatic Bridge. At the end of your upkeep, reveal top cards, reveal cards at the top of your library until you reveal a creature or planeswalker card. Put that card on the battlefield and the rest on your bottom of your library in any order.
2: I think this is an EDH card only and a uh, all-star and multicolor cube, but uh. I don't see this fitting in even standard. Uh, for Wooberg, the payoff of Niv-Mizzet is way better in Pioneer.
0: I was going to say, though, but for Wooberg, there, are, there have been the occasional five-color Planeswalker deck running around. I,
2: just Prismatic Bridge costs five mana. Yeah. If it triggered at end step, I would care more. Okay, sure, I'm with you there. But it, it's five mana, and then you have to just sit for a turn. Sure. Like, I think the problem format. here,
1: like the competition with Fires of Invention and Pioneer, it's, it's pretty spicy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't see a world where I'm wanting to play this over Fires of Invention. I could be wrong, but I think the fact that this is the backside, right? So you can't tutor for it? Right. No. That that makes a big difference, and again, I think fires invention letting you immediately get to take advantage of casting extra spells is going to be is going to be the big deal here.
2: I do think this is some of the best art in the set, though.
1: I've got sure. a I've got a quick hit, and then I think we have to bring up one card because it combos with another card coming up. Okay, go. What you got? As we get to it. Um, interestingly enough, again, a lot of cards can't talk about them all. Uh, Seize the spoils is an interesting one. It's a two colorless and red as additional uh, cost to cast a spell. This card. a card. Uh, draw two cards and then create a treasure token is the effect of the card. This is interesting if you care at all about super janky combo decks, uh, that being Thousand Year Storm, because yeah. uh, you get you just get that other card that's light. I forget the name of the card. I played this deck for, I don't know, months. I had a lot of fun. Pirate's with it. Pillage. Yeah, there you go, Pirate's Pillage. Uh, this is another one of that, which I think is pretty interesting because all of the time you kind of had that have that card to go off. And I think now you've got this one right? Like it's uh, the fact spells that generate mana are pretty huge. And so when you start talking about copying this, even just getting the copy on this, you know, twice, all of a sudden you start to get back in the game. So yeah, I think that's an interesting thing for that. Look for me to play that garbage deck in historic somewhere.
0: Um, All right. We have the cynic mythic of this set. Coma Cosmos Serpent three green, green, blue, blue. This spell can't be countered for a legendary serpent. 6-6. 6-6. Six, six. Uh, at the beginning of each upkeep, create a 3-3 three, three blue Serpent creature token named Coma's Coil uh, with also the ability to sacrifice another Serpent. Choose one. Tap target permanent. Its activated abilities can't be activated this turn. Or Coma Cosmos Serpent gains indestructible until end of turn.
2: I'm going to lose limited games to this card, but I'm not
0: going to lose constructed games to this card. Hey, it's a civic Mythic that doesn't draw cards or gain life. Can we get a round of applause, everyone?
1: Hey, look at I'm this. clapping. You can hear me clapping. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, like this card seems fun. I think there's this is going to be a casual player's fun thing at the beginning of each upkeep. Just, you know, something to note for people who cannot look at the card right now, but are listening to us. That's the interesting thing about it. At the beginning of each upkeep, you get the 3-3. Three, three, and then obviously it's got some of more protection because starting on your opponent's
0: upkeep, it will be able to get a instance of Indestructible because it'll make a 3-3. Three, three. So there you go. Uh, Ricky, you got anything else on this day? I've got like two more cards. I have nothing else on this day. Uh, I think the World Tree. Yep. The World Tree of the battlefield. Tap, tap, add uh, green. As long as you control six or more lands, the lands you control have tap, add one man of any color. And then for double Wooburg, tap, sacrifice the World Tree. Search your library for any number of god cards. Put them onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. That part's going to be relevant with another card coming up in a couple of days. Um, so I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a minute again. Uh, obviously people are really worried about this being picked up in like the Nibflight decks just to make all of your cards, all of your lands chromatic so you don't need, I mean, decks, the deck wasn't playing like Chromatic Lantern to begin with anyway. Um, uh, I just also want to point out, hey, this is another Valakut where that guy over there said he had the World Tree, but you're telling me you have the World Tree which is the real World Tree? There's the only thing, World thing World that Trees. I Everybody. think
2: is really cool about this card Okay, is that There's that that point in Commander where you have, like, 12 lands in play, and you just start tapping lands, and you're like, oh, the the colors don't matter, right? And this card makes that a reality, right? It's just like, you've got 13 lands in your Commander game, and you can just tap seven of them and be like, oh, I play this big guy that has, like, two reds and two blacks and two blues in its cost. And it's like, well, did you tap the right colors? Doesn't matter. World tree. They all tap
0: for whatever I want. Uh other than that, I think this card's bad. I don't like this card. Everyone who's worried about Nivtolite in this card, Nivtolite has one of the most tuned mana bases. I've never seen them have color problems. Never. So this card like doesn't matter for them. In fact it's weird because it comes into play tapped.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think it's interesting, though, as far as the fact that it's not legendary, because then like, you don't have to worry about getting multiples of it, right? Mm-hmm. You can play as many as you want to fix your mana, uh, as far as whatever amount of green, you know, as many as you want big four. But however many you are going to play as a, you know, a green uh, land, this helps. So sure. I, I think that's interesting of it again. And I think the big deal is, I, I, do you not want to talk about the combo now? Uh,
0: we can. We can skip ahead a day to talk about uh, Maskwood Nexus off, Just off, uh, off, off script here because i think this is the
1: only thing that this card's going to to super do like it's okay but i think this combo like i think it's one of the strongest things in the right, set so, so what life. is what is the, what is the combo then chris the ma- the combo is maskwood nexus is a four mana colorless right it's an artifact creatures you control are every creature type the same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards you control and own that are not on the battlefield so cards you could cards you own everywhere even outside of the game as far as i'm concerned are every creature. Lane, right. They're changeling. Yeah. So what's the creature type? How about God? Right. So the world tree with that double Uber sack. search your library for any number of God cards, put them on the battlefield and search your library. You know, if, there's got to be some number of creature cards, right? We already see it in historic, we already see it everywhere. That will win you the game. It is up to your imagination which combination combination of creatures you want to get that wins you the game right there. So
0: I don't think it's as good, but here's our elf card to just put in all of our Shaman of the Packs at the same time. Right.
1: For, <laughs> yeah, for two right.
0: cards and 15 mana.
1: Right. Yeah. No, no, no. Right. For 11 mana. We're not playing them on the same turn
2: uh okay yes yeah, so you get to make a down payment of four mana and then a second easy payment of 11 right. we don't kill our fun what's what's the
1: amount of rain the colors don't matter right that's the thing about I the will Warburg. have
2: lots of fun and this is going to be so much fun in commander and it might even be fun in standard we're a pioneer podcast i thought
0: uh you're right you're right you're right i'm gonna be playing right. it
1: right right next to that right next to that thousand year storm deck i'm gonna be playing me some world tree
0: fair enough Okay. All right. Uh, Last card on the 8th, I kind of want to point out is Turgrid, God of Fright, and Turgrid's Lantern. Turgrid, of course, being 3 black black for a 4-5 legendary creature god. Uh, They have Menache, and whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent card, you may put that card from a graveyard under the battlefield under your control, and then the backside, it's a modal DFC, is for three in the black for Turgrid's Lantern, Legendary Artifact. tap target player loses three life unless they sacrifice an online player discard a card. And then for three in the black, untapped Turgrid's Lantern.
1: Yeah, is this is this one of the strongest cards in the set or no? I mean, just the creature side of it seems insane to me. I mean, it's like
2: pretty cool. I like this card. It's going to be a lot of fun in Commander. It might be fun in Standard. I, it just can't compete with Kalidus, I don't think.
1: That's fair, sure, sure. that's fair. Uh Blizzard I Brawl, I think, the same is
0: point interesting. Though. Yeah, fair. Sorry. Uh Blizzard um, Bra- Brawl, Chris?
1: Yeah, Blizzard Brawl, I just thought it was interesting. Um, I think this is a, a very playable, uncommon. It has another snow sorcery for one green. Choose target creature you control and target creature you don't know control. Period. If you control three or more snow permanents, the creature you control gets plus one, plus zero, and indestructible, period. Then those creatures fight each other. I feel like this is a card Chris is gonna hate and Limited. Uh, You have no idea. I've already got my rants prepared. But for, for, you know, places where green removal isn't the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, where greens just does everything anyway in, in a, you know, hey, every constructed format right now. I think this is pretty interesting. I mean, one green is one of the cheapest we've seen this. We had prey upon, I think, originally. But now we have an ability to give our creature indestructible. That's that seems strong. I don't know
2: snow throw those basics in the trash
1: for real though right i mean you might as well with this and like yeah it does require you to have three men if you're doing it but you need to have a creature in play anyway so right. i don't know when we're not cast you know like you're probably not casting this on turn two anyway you could but if you're doing that you're probably killing something where your creature might be bigger anyway if, if we're green and we get better advantage so i'm assuming on turn three turn four we're gonna have enough for this and we're gonna be able to give be able to give our creature indestructible now uh so, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't know that it's better than your plus two, plus two, give your creature hexproof type stuff. Uh, but so definitely a sideboard card. I think this definitely earns a sideboard slot in a lot of decks.
0: It's a sorcery, so you can't really use it reactively like your plus two, plus two hexproof card. And then saw uh, it coming I, is cutesies, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's saw it coming is also the fact that I knew this card was going to be printed, right? It's the cancel variant These you use for tell. Yep. Sure, but it's yep. got the uh, coolest name. Yeah, we get it. You get to be you get to be really potentially you play the on of your opponent to be like didn't say please again and this is why I'm so glad I can't draft in paper because you just know that annoying person at uh, your LGS is going to be like saw so it coming.
1: <laughs>
0: true, true. All right, moving on to the ninth, we start thin- thinning out. I think in cards, to really talk about here. Uh, I wanted to talk about two cards with perfect art, uh, with Asika's chariot with just two cats living their best lives. Uh, and then a another uh, one of them is a dwarf card in Reckless Crew. Three and a red sorcery it create X two one red dwarf berserker creature tokens, where X to the number of vehicles you control plus the number of equipment you control for each of those tokens you may attach an equipment to it. Um, boy, do I want to live that best buff dwarf flexing life in the middle of this art card art um this is one of the cards again i think is super interesting and i got asked a lot about this is a card though where i'm like if pioneer had a really big meta shift switch like shakeup, i'd be more than willing to try this card but right now i don't think it's going to do enough for you uh but i do think this card design is sweet um i think that it's kind of disappointing to me that obviously in equipment more matters in this set whereas Kaladesh dwarves cared about vehicles, so we're kind of in between. We want vehicles, we want equipment, when I'm looking at this dwarf deck I'm trying to make and be the king of. So we'll see. I like this card a lot, though.
2: It has my favorite flavor text in the set so far. Boats burn and row faster? Yep, boats burn and row faster. Because you know they let that boat on fire. Of course they did. (laughs) Look at how reckless they are. Mm -hmm. How many does this have to make to be good? Like three.
1: We were talking about that earlier, yeah. Mm -hmm. Two, maybe?
0: Man, they don't have haste. Depending on what equipment you give, uh, we did pass up an equipment, though. Uh, Tormentor's Helm, I think, is pretty close to being playable for already. Equipment a to plus one, plus one, and then if it gets blocked, deals one damage to a defending player with equip one. I think that card is really solid, actually. Uh, what do you guys got? What cards do you want to talk about?
2: On the ninth. Yeah. Uh, I have one. Go for it. it, is, it Quake, is it the Bringer? It's Quake Bringer. This is the next giant. This is the mythic giant. Uh, it has foretell. Did you see that at the bottom? Yeah. No, uh, I did not see it had foretell. For some reason, if you want to split the payment of this five drop giant into two and then four, so you spend six mana total, you can Oh, so we can, we can play our bone crusher giant in between. Right, exactly. So uh, that's cute. But this is a five mana, five, four. It says your opponents can't gain life at the beginning of your upkeep. Quakebringer deals two damage to each opponent. This ability triggers only if Quakebringer is on the battlefield, or if Quakebringer is in your graveyard and you control a giant.
0: (laughs) Okay, so if it's dead and you have a giant, it still happens. Yep. Right, so I've got a question, Ruckman. How many can we have in our graveyard? This is worded
2: differently than a lot of cards I've seen. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's your question? On my
0: upkeep, can I activate my muta to get this to trigger?
1: I don't think you've got time for that.
0: No, because it only triggers if you have the, if giant. You have the giant. So that sort of sucks. So if, I was if, it, hoping if, it said, if it said at the beginning of your upkeep if you control a giant, then yeah, you can in response activate Mutavolt. There you go. It checks you have a giant. Either way, uh, this card is
2: insane. Uh, it is a 5-4 for 5 mana. Your opponent can't gain life. I'm all in for that. And then it when the push. it sits in my yard, it just, yeah, it can't be pushed. And when it's sitting in my yard, it will be pinging for two damage. As long as I have a hope in this game, if my board is wiped, uh, you know, I could just be dead anyways. And then it makes like, if you get two or three of these in your graveyard, just like any draw of a giant is just like, here, this is, if you don't answer it, you just could be taken six plus the power. Like it's just
0: so much reach. It's, I love this card. hmm um, I want to point out Rally the ranks. One in a white, as Rally the Ranks says the battlefield, choose a creature type, creatures you control the chosen type, get plus one plus one. So for a single white pip and one mana, um, it's a lord effect for any of our any creature type we choose. I think this is a card to look at for the human stacks. I know they were wanting to play like Venerated on right now, and I don't like playing Venerated on in that deck, so you have to tap your creatures down right. But so instead, playing a couple of these. As another two-mana Lord, I think it's going to be big for decks that want that kind of effect.
1: I think that, like, a lot of times, a lot of decks try to make these kind of things work. And as we've seen, as they've changed these a million times to try and make them work, they just don't unless you're playing tokens. Like, a, a humans could be the deck. I'm not. I'm not trying to, like, argue against that point. I'm just saying, traditionally speaking... Like, this is about the 17 millionth iteration we've seen of this card, and the sure. best I've seen them are in tokens where you're going, well, look, I get a bunch of different creatures for a cheaper mana cost, and that's what you're doing. So if you're going to look at this card, I'd probably start looking at it in in some kind of token strategy, because, you know, I, is this going to be better than Adaptive Automaton? Is it going to be better than any of the other effects that are out there? Maybe. You could play with it, but, again, the first place I'd look at this is some kind of token effect where you can create consistent tokens at the same
0: time. I'm just saying, the human stacks that are playing Locks on. I hate that card in that deck. Um, sure. If they're not playing Banalish Marshall, start with Benalish Marshall. If they're playing Benalish Marshall, then are the Loxon. Get the two Loxons out, put in two of this, I think I'm more happier.
2: Yeah. I just think that this card, I'm with Chris here, uh, I think that where you live in a world, in, especially in Pioneer, where your tribal decks, the lords need to be able to swing two. Mm-hmm. Uh, like two mana for like a 1-3 flying lord is not out of the ordinary anymore, and so just... A two-mana Lord that does not swing. It doesn't even give me, like, a relevant ability. I think just, like, mm, okay,
0: not, we'll have to not, wait not for me, dog. Um, all enough. right, anything else on the knife? then?
1: Uh, Vega the Watch is interesting. It's a three-mana 2-2 two, two flyer. It costs one colorless, uh, a white, and a blue. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hands draw a card, that's obviously interesting for foretell. It's interesting for uh, Graveyard Effects. It's interesting for... Um, There's one other card somebody brought up that that plays spirits a lot that was like, oh, look, um, some kind of Kethys-type thing, I think, maybe. Uh, Emery. Emery is another card that's interesting uh, with this. So, like, there's quite a few effects when you you think about it that let you um, cast spells from Graveyard or from wherever else, and that, you know, it's kind of interesting with this. Is it going to be good? I don't know. It's cute.
2: I like this card, Uh, but I think it might be a modern
0: card and not a Pioneer card.
1: Yeah, totally fair.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to the 10th. We already talked about Maskwood Nexus. Uh, So the card I wanted to talk about is Eradicator Valkyrie. For two black and black, you get a 4-3 Angel Berserker, Flying Life Link, Hexproof from Planeswalkers, uh, which is not really relevant in Standard anymore, but I think is relevant in Teferi formats. uh, With Boast uh, for one and a black, Sacrifice a Creature. Each opponent sacrifices a Creature or Planeswalker. I think this card's good. I like this card a lot. Uh, it's got, it's like a mini vein Slayer, but
2: it's in black, and it plays into the Sacrifice deck, and mm-hmm. I think
0: it's very good. I'm definitely going to mess around with this card over, like, Spawn of Mayhem, potentially. Uh, maybe, like, some rank alternatives. I don't know. I'm going to mess around with this card in mono black for sure, uh, because I think having the lifelink is pretty relevant, and then, again, you can sack one of your recursive guys, buy it back, your opponent loses a creature. I think this card's be a big deal for sure. Uh
2: I'm gonna point out Snakeskin Veil. Okay. Uh this card is insane. Uh one mana instant, put a one-one counter on target creature you control, it gains hexproof until end of turn.
1: Oh wow, I had not seen this card.
2: This is a common. Uh this card will see play in Popper. This card will see play in modern. This card will see play everywhere. Uh Blossoming Defense is already an insane card. Uh instead of getting the plus two plus two, you get a permanent plus one, plus one counter which could be infinitely better in most cases.
1: Hey, in any deck that I'm playing green in, this is going to give me a minimum of two plus one plus one counters.
2: Like this card, I think is very strong. Pick up your foils.
0: Yep. Uh, Chris, you got a card?
1: Um, From here, I think there's not a ton. Again, it's got that Maskwood Nexus that we were talking about. Uh, I think the interesting potentially one to talk about is uh, Faceless Haven. Oh, the Snow the Snowland, yes, yeah, snow, yes, Snow Vault is, is what it's being called. Uh, this is a Snowland. You can tap to add colorless, uh, or for triple snow, Faceless Haven becomes a four-three creature type with vigilance and all creature types. So significantly more expensive. I expect this to be played in some kind of like deck that is low on wind conditions. And so we're just going to be activating this and beating down. But that used to be more common, right? Like you used to see Mutavaults in control decks. And so maybe we're going to see that again. Right? Decks that say, hey, look, you know, I'm gonna be a deck that's gonna have seven, eight mana in play, and I need to kill you a little bit quicker. So I'm still gonna have four mana up for counter spells or rule spells, but my other four are going to attacking
0: with this thing. Yep. Uh, I wanted to point out Skemfar Shadow Sage and complain that it's four mana and not three, so I can't collect a company it in. Uh for a two-five elf cleric. When there's the battlefield, choose one. Each opponent loses X life, or X is the greatest number of creatures you control that share a creature type and that or that have a creature type in common. Or you gain X life or X to the greatest number of creatures you control that have a creature type in common. Again, make it a smaller body. Let me cocoa into it. Gosh <laughs> darn it.
1: This one is uh, is is more expensive. I think you're right, but I think the man, if you could, would else be just the most OP because like now you've got this and Shaman of the Pack,
0: or, or do you probably? Think- I mean, it's really good for sure. I think like if you had this, I wouldn't complain about the lack of a cocoa. My problem is like every card that I want to play in elves costs four mana instead of three because they know I want to play collected company. Right. What else you guys got? I think faceless Haven
2: is just, I was just going to point out that like uh mono green planeswalkers just gets to play this for free. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. Like you're just going to play snow forests instead of your regular forests. And this guy's a four, three body that can defend your carn.
0: Like the cards the same. Uh, the last card I wanted to talk about is Draugr Necromancer, three in the black for a 4-4 zombie cleric. Snow creature, uh, if a non-token creature in opponent controls would die, exile that card with an ice counter on it. You may cast that's, You may cast spells for among cards in exile. Your opponents curl with ice counters on them. You may spend mana from snow sources as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. I don't think this card's making it a pioneer. I just think it's a really cool design. I That's think this is the player standard
1: player. version of uh, of Kalidas, right? Like, it's obviously a different effect, but, hey, I get your any of your creatures that die, I get them. You know, like, yeah, I got to pay for them, so it's not the free tutus. But this potentially has a lot more upside. And I think you think about this, you know, hey, I don't know what world we're playing this. But if we are playing it and our opponent's got some Uros, hey... We also got ourselves an arrow, you know. Uh, we
0: only get to read. Well, the problem I is, know, we get to then it goes to their graveyard. Once.
1: Right, right, right. But they, still,
0: we we sack it. It goes to their graveyard. But they can even then, right?
1: That. Let's say we don't want to do that. Point is, they don't get their second half of that arrow because when it dies, it excels.
0: No, for sure, like definitely, right? Like I definitely agree there. I like. I just thought for. I just read it as initially as your opponent owns. So I was like, oh, we just get to loop our opponent's arrow every turn. Hell right. yeah, sign me up. Rereading right. it. Oh no, that's not how that works. All right, we are coming in close to about time here. So let's move on do, to we, the... Oh, we could do the
1: 11th up? next time if you wanted to, because I wanted to talk about uh, Kaia's Onslaught real quick.
0: Yeah, go ahead and let's talk about Kaia's Onslaught and then we'll save the 11th, because I know I do want to point out that, you know, uh, Jorn, I think Jorn is definitely the big card for the 11th to talk about, but we also have Egon, Throne of Death. So we will save the 11th for next time. Um, and so, yeah, if you want to talk about on Onslaught real quick.
1: Yeah, this is again just a highlight uncommon because I think this can do some some interesting things. Uh, I, I don't like what color that it's in, but it makes sense that it's in this color. Kaya's onslaught is two colors and a white, or we can foretell it, right? Which is essentially morph, but its foretell cost is just one white. Dark creature gets plus one, plus one, and gains double strike until the end of the turn. So... I think there's interestingly enough maybe enough cards that are going to between Team or battle, battle Rage or whatever else potentially give double strike. Uh, that you know there may be some kind of deck out there, right? Like maybe this has got a place in Pummler. Maybe it's got a place in uh, some you know if you if you can play if it's possible to play some kind of like Jeskai uh, deck. We don't have um, what's the card Kiln Fiend, but there are cards similar to it that you know get bonuses for spells in graveyard or spells played. This is definitely something, you know. It's it's one of the cheapest double strike double strike effects you could get. So, uh, I don't know if Ricky has any thoughts on this. Um, because it's not face
2: up, it doesn't get counted by Crackling Drake when we have the spells in exile, right? Right. That would be uh, a little broken, right? Just foretell a bunch of cards and be like, no, no, no. I promise, my crackling Drake. Right, right. Seven.
1: Yeah. Just believe me. There's no problems here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need you to find me about eleven thousand damage.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... If we're just calling it here, though, I would like to say that uh, the Moriet of the Frost is a really interesting card.
0: Sure, I think the it can clone anything,
2: right? So we can even clone lands with it. It can, clo- it can clone anything, as well as like this is an uncommon. Like it gets two one one counters if it's a creature. It can copy a planeswalker if you really wanted it to. Um, and it's always going to be legendary, which is a little weird, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. retain its name, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also snow, always, which is an interesting, just like, hey, also I'm always snow. Yeah. It's just weird and uncommon, you know, it's just like, compared to especially when we see other of the two mana legendary uncommons, that this one is definitely pushed the furthest, in my opinion. I don't think it's good for, like, uh, anything but standard, but like, hey, this card is... Cool. I
1: I think there's a role. I think there's you know a, a bunch of effects that say, hey, you know, if you have uh this, you know, or what there's not a bunch of, I should say, but there's a couple of cards that say, hey, if you've got this card in play, you win the game, and here's a way to copy the artifact version of that, the creature version of that, and just like you said, a way to copy um opponents' interesting things because obviously, if we're copying our own and they have legendary and this is legendary, it'll kill, but you know, hey, whatever, right? We'll copy something that's not legendary of ours, we'll copy something of our opponents'. And uh, make it stronger.
2: All in all, I think the set is definitely interesting. I think the set... I like the tribal aspect. I hate the snow aspect. Because there's no, like... It's not a, like... Why would I not run the snowlands? Like, can you show me, like, the... The two mana spell that blows up a snow land or something like, just show me something that punishes. Can, can me for you show a spell.
0: me the ba- Can you show me the uh, price of progress for snow? Like,
2: exactly. The if there's like a snow. like uh, like I don't know, a, you got to pay the little kid that plows your driveway card, and it costs two life for snow land or something. You know, yeah. I, I just uh, of course I'm going to play all snow basics. Like, uh, why would I not? The unlimited it gets a little more interesting because you have to draft the snow basics. Though with the way they've been, uh, I don't want to get in that tangent, but like uh, I feel like we're really close to an announcement where it's like, "Hey guys, unlimited!" To make sure everybody's having all the fun they can. Uh, you can have all the snow basics you want at the end of drafting. I don't oh, think I, they'd do that.
1: I think they would. I, I, in fact, I assume that's coming. I'm, I'm not willing to pie bet on it, but I'm pretty close to willing to pie bet on it. I, I almost bet you that's coming.
2: I don't want that. Like, at least the one good thing about snow is it creates a really interesting limited environment where you have to draft basic lands. Mm-hmm. And that's fun, in my opinion.
1: I you think know? it's interesting. Right? It yeah, was fun like...
2: in Modern Horizons. Drafting Modern Horizons actually a blast. Probably the greatest thing that came out of modern horizons was its draft format. Sure. But, uh, the snow aspect in standard and, and by default pioneer, it's just like, yeah, if the snow cards are good. We're just going to play Snowlands, and there's no like why play basics.
1: Yeah. I mean, we still have some to come. So maybe the punishment cards are coming, Maybe they're hyping us up for snow. And then maybe the, uh, some of the Phyrexian cards. Cause obviously with the, you know, confirmed Phyrexian card or two, uh, we're going to see some some kind of forexian punishment for snow, so we'll see.
2: Right. Also, I a lot of people are complaining about the color pie in
1: this set. I'm one of them. I don't see it. I'll get you some glasses.
2: Okay, you give me some glasses. On that, like I know all the cards people are talking about, but they like those colors have done the things that they are doing before. So, uh, I don't yeah, I mean, in
1: Time Spiral, they sure did, right?
2: Uh, not just in Time Spiral, like red has counter spells uh red has uh cards like chaos warp and all the other like chaos cards that just flip cards to another cards
1: sure uh, sure i think i think the point is that the effect that they're doing them is kind of interesting right like you could say yeah like oh look this green card is going to uh exile three permanents make my opponent sack four creatures and it's gonna draw me six cards oh look but, it, you know, it also gets me a land from my deck and enters a battlefield tapped and say, well, look, that's a green effect. But, you know, I think that there's other stuff going on on top of that. Is at least going to be my argument. Obviously, that's a hyperbole. Well, I mean,
2: that's my argument already. It's just like Uro. Like Uro, sure, that's like, that's a green and blue-ish effect because you gained life and you drew a card. Right. And you played an extra land. But what about blue-green makes you come out of the graveyard every turn and like...
1: Oh, for sure. I, I don't. I haven't seen anybody argue like this is the the first time it's ever seen. I think, I think a lot of people are saying this is kind of the straw that broke the camel's back as far as like this is just keeps going and it keeps pushing it harder and harder and harder as far as some of the cards we've talked about and that we're gonna go that we're gonna see. But we can go into that another time. Like we could probably do a whole episode on it once it releases, talking about the direction that this is going. Because overall, I, I like a lot of things about it. The power level is much lower, which is probably what we needed, at least from the cards we've seen so far. So yeah.
0: Like everyone can play about Raven form, I just want to point out Pongify and what was the one from Rocket Hybridization. Cons- and what's the one uh, from Khan's block that makes the, a manifest?
2: The uh, reality shift. Yeah. I also think that this set has a lot of spillover from the Year of Commander. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get that feeling too.
2: There's like a random like a mana rock artifact that if it sits around for eight turns, you get to make yeah.
0: Yeah. like. 30 million them.
2: copies of it
1: or something. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure somebody's going to have a lot of fun with that. I don't, I don't understand it, but, uh, All right, you good. know,
0: uh, yep. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, like I said, we're going to save the 11th for next week's episode. Uh, so we'll have several more days of spoilers coming up. I think we're, we're hitting the point where we're just to see, starting to see a lot more commons and uncommons. Uh, full spoilers will be out, should be out uh, next Friday. So look forward to more continued spoiler coverage. We'll be back to doesn't slap. Regular submissions are now again open. We're done with the challenges for the time being, and we will start doesn't slap sort of once we get towards the tail end of spoiler season. So get make sure you are submitting that. I want to thank Ricky and Chris for joining me as always. And I want to thank you all for listening and tuning in. I know these spoiler episodes are going to be a little longer than we used to. We try to keep under about like an hour, 20, hour 15, because I think more than that's kind of a little little, uh, bit much to ask people to sort of make sure they fully listen to. That's just my personal preference anyway. I know I sort of check out after like an hour or so of a podcast. Uh, So anyway, I also want to thank everyone who supports us over at Patreon. Again, if you would like to support us, patreon.com slash crew3mtg. You can follow me over at the official uh, podcast, Twitter at crew3podcast on Twitter. We also put a weekly deck tech out on YouTube at crew3mtg. I stream several nights a week over at crew3mtg on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash crew3mtg. Again, Ricky and Chris, thank you for joining me. You can find Chris on Twitter at? It's underscore Christmas. You can follow Ricky at? And also Steve. We will talk to you all next week with more Kaldheim spoilers. And again, get ready for the 27th. That's a Wednesday for that early access event, which hopefully the boys will be able to uh, to get together and perform and have some fun and finally cash in these pie bets. We We will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.